Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to Vet Voice, the pet pod. This is the podcast that's all about pets. I'm Dr. Zara Boland. I'm a clinical vet, a media consultant, and a self-confessed all-round animal lover. And each episode of The Pet Pod, I'm going to be joining with some of my veterinary friends and colleagues from across the whole pet healthcare industry, so that together we can offer you some handy tips and expert advice to help you keep your pet healthy and happy. Following on from our last episode, and with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, I just wanted to give you a quick update, because cats have been in the news a lot over the last week. So there seems to be a really, really minutely small portion of cats that both domestic and potentially wild animal cats in zoos that have tested very, very weakly positive for the coronavirus and are showing some very mild clinical symptoms of COVID-19. But I want to be very clear, there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that cats can transmit the coronavirus to people. It is still very much human to human community transmission across the world at the moment. So if you have an indoor cat that is used to staying indoors, keep them indoors. But if you're self-isolating and you have a cat that's normally an indoor and outdoor cat, we do not want you to keep your cat indoors if they're going to be stressed by it. If they're used to being outdoors, then we should still allow them to be outdoors, live their life as normally as possible, and just maintain good hand hygiene like we normally would. Ultimately, what we don't want to see is an increase in abandonment of cats for absolutely no good reason. Please, please do not be misguided by the fake news that is out there right now. Go to reputable websites and reputable sources for information, such as the British Veterinary Medical Association, the AVMA and the CDC. So this episode, as promised, it's all about some of the most common first aid treatments that you can give to your pets while you're at home during this pandemic. The types of treatments that we'll be talking about are most often handled in vet surgeries by the excellent vet nursing staff. And so while I was planning this podcast, I thought, who better to ask to join me than my friend and former colleague, Lisa Neem. Now, Lisa is a UK registered senior veterinary nurse with over 20 years experience, and she's worked with every type of animal you can imagine from hamsters to elephants. Lisa and I previously worked together in Kent, where we had a number of zoos and wildlife parks on the vet books, as well as working with DEFRA through the import and export, illegal import and export of animals through Dover Docks. So there really isn't much that Lisa hasn't seen. However, dogs, cats, birds and small furries are much more likely to be in your home. So this time around, we're going to be sticking with those. 
Lisa, thanks so much for joining me on Vet Voice, the pet pod. And now, not only are we in different geographic locations due to the current global COVID-19 pandemic, but I should also explain that you're currently in the middle of a sheep station in Western Australia. Oh, hi. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am in Western Australia, about an hour and a half outside of Perth on a sheep station that runs about 3,000 sheep at the moment. And I do have two little body calves in in my garden shed as well, just to keep us busy, just on milk at the moment, bless them. (laughs) So a little bit different to uh, the farming situation and the veterinary situation when we last worked together down in Kent, I guess. Yeah, not so many uh, zoo parks and uh, domestic animals anymore for me, but that only ended on New Year's Eve. That was my last shift. And then uh, January the 26th, we moved out here. Um, our whole family. Ah, Australia Day. Yeah, and my little girl, my little three-year-old girl and my partner and, and myself. So a bit of a lifestyle change, but yeah, it's the adventure we're going for now. So. <laughs> Great. Well, we want to bring you back to your, your Kent days of last year, just for today, because we want to talk about some of the ways that we can help support our companion animal pets when they've fallen ill or suffered some form of injury at home or out on a, on a walk. But first things first, as always, in any emergency situation, we should always contact the vet or the vet nurse. Absolutely. Do not panic and contact your vet. But there are some things that we can do as pet parents at home before we get to the phone, for example, um, to calm our pets. So shall we start by looking at a couple of the common situations where we might be able to help? So, for example, we're out walking our dog and suddenly we notice some blood on the pavement or he starts to limp or we have a cat and... Uh, gosh, the, the sound of a cat fight uh, is something that, that everybody knows the sound of. Um, what should we do if we're in that instant situation where we can hear the cat screeching out outside and we know there's just been a fight or we've been on the road and our dog suddenly started limping and there's some blood? So you, you've got your dog and you, you suddenly notice he's limping, he's lame, there's blood on the pavement. So initially you need to search your dog and check your dog over bring it back to the car or you've got it home in your house, somewhere that it's nice and calm and quiet and obviously don't panic. Then you can assess your situation. So just run your hands over your dog, pick up, you know, each paw individually and just check it through. The likelihood is you've just cut a pad or the back of his foot or hopefully a minimal cut. Something simple. Yeah, something simple you can try and treat at home. Reach for your first aid kit or something nice and clean. Even if you've got a tea towel that's nice and clean, um, you know, some gauze, you can, you can put that onto the area where the blood is coming from just to mop that up and, and sort of hold a bit of pressure. So then you can see see what's going on to initially assess how bad the cut is. And so if we've now applied some pressure to our, our dog, our dog's leg, we've located where it's bleeding from, we move away our, our tea towel or our, our gauze. What do we do now once we see where the, where the blood is coming from? So if you've held your gentle firm pressure for about five minutes and you've still got an ooze or, or a definite bleed coming through there, um, you want to make sure we can we can put apply a dressing to that because that's not going to stop unless you, you know, apply some constant pressure to it to help stop that bleed. So you can grab some clean gauze or, you know, again, your clean detail and put that back on and, and reach for a bandage if you have one in your house. Everybody should have a first aid kit at home of some sort. Absolutely. But we're not talking a simple band-aid here, are we? No, we don't want to just stick a little plaster or a band-aid over this. It's not gonna it's not gonna hold and it's definitely not gonna stop you bleeding. So um yeah, if you if you can grab your first aid kit and we're gonna put some sort of bandage onto your pet's uh, foot and leg. Um if you don't bandage high enough up, that's just gonna fall straight off his toe. So um wherever your cut is, 
um, we need to bandage below and above it. So we're going to start from the bottom. So we'll put um, some gauze or a bit of um, a non-sticky dressing, clean dressing, or even if you've cut a square of a clean tea towel, if you don't have a, a gauze or a, a wadding or anything to put on it. So put that on as a pressure a bandage to start with and then apply your bandage wrap on top of that. But start at the toes. So keep your toes within that bandage because if you leave those toes poking out and you've bandaged a little bit too tight up the leg, you're going to stop some circulation to the toes and we don't want to uh, create any more problems than you've already got. The last thing we want is a tourniquet unless it's a very, very serious situation. Yes, good good bandaging advice there. And also, as we mentioned earlier, um, the dreaded cat fight can lead to cat fight abscesses. What we should look out for there is just keeping an eye on your cat over the 24 to 48 hours that follow that fight, because what can easily happen is that the bacteria that are naturally present on teeth and claws, when you have a, a cat fight, even a play fight can actually result in cat fight abscesses, is that those teeth or, or claws puncture the skin and then that bacteria gets trapped in underneath. And it's the bacteria that's under the skin that that starts to multiply and create that abscess. So what we need to look for in cats that have been in a fight is just run your hands over the skin and you're looking for, just generally when you're stroking or petting them, what you're looking for is an area of that might cause a little bit of maybe pain, the the cat might flinch away, or you might actually see some swelling and warmth. And if you do find that in your cat, that is an indication, potential indication that a cat fight abscess is forming. um, And most likely you're going to have to get that drained by your vet. What if we've got something a little more serious? What if we notice that there's some bone sticking through, if there might be a broken bone, or there's a really sudden and severe swelling, and it's very, very painful for our, for our dog or indeed our cat? What okay. do we do in that situation? Well, immediately you, you, you ring your vet. You get your, you, you get your dog into, obviously, a quiet, comfortable room to calm it down. As long as your room is free from draft and, and loud noises and shut the TV off, you know, dim the lights a little bit, um, but keep it nice and warm and as comfortable as possible just you know keeping it as calm as possible whilst you can get on the phone to the vet to explain what's going on and then obviously we proceed from there as to whether we move the animal and put her into the back of the car and uh, drive her to the vet uh, or the vet may may be able to do a house call and I think that that's something important to say at this juncture at least is that obviously something like a broken bone is very distressing both for for us as well as for our pets sure and so we're going to be obviously upset and stressed but we need to be cognizant and aware that that our pets can pick up on that too so it's even more important that we try and calm ourselves and stay calm while we're dealing with this situation yeah absolutely and the vet or the vet nurse one of one of us will probably ask some basic questions in terms of vital signs so there are some things that we can do as pet owners uh, in helping our, our vets and our vet nurses understand exactly the status that our pet is in when we call up and we phone with them and so maybe you can talk us through some of those vital signs that our, our, our vets and nurses might be asking us to look for in our pets. Yeah, certainly. Obviously, you know, you want to you want to make sure that you, you can relay as much information to your vet as possible or the nurse that's on the other end of the phone asking the questions about the status of your dog. Um, how is it breathing? Is it breathing shallow or is it breathing fast and rapid and deep? Is it, you know, is it in distress? Then also, is its pulse rate really high? You can easily feel for that by putting your hand around the chest you should be able to just feel feel around the, the region of the heart, the area. Just put your hand over the chest and you should feel whether the heart is racing or whether the pulse rate is, is dropping and, and it's a little bit slower. And for some people to make it easier, it's difficult in some dogs to know where that where that is. And it's it can be ju- it's just behind the left elbow, isn't it? Sure. It, it's easier obviously if your if your dog is laying flat on the floor um, and you've got you know your left side up. If you if you place that left front leg against the body, 
just just behind where the point of the elbow lies on the chest, you should be able to feel it and pick it up really easy just there. And there's also the femoral pulse, isn't there? Yeah, you can also slip your hand just, just inside the just inside the inner thigh, and you should on a bigger dog. It obviously it'll be a lot easier. You should be able to just just with your fingertips be able to feel just just along the ridge there, and you should be able to feel a pulse there. Yeah, but always with extreme caution, particularly if, if your dog's in pain. And what about we can look in their mouths if it's safe as well? And and our gums can tell us a lot of things, can't they? Yeah, obviously you can you can tell obviously a lot um, about the, the shock status of your dog. If it's obviously going into a, a shock state, um, if it's overheated or it's cooler, you know, lift the lip up. And if you can, look check the colour of that, that lip and the gum there. If it's safe to do so, pull the tongue forward and help them breathe a little bit better. You know, and if you can touch the gum, um, if you push very lightly, you should get, you blanch the colour out and then the colour should return within one to two seconds. And that would be a normal response. And how quickly it returns to pink is what we want to know from a clinical purpose. Because if it takes a long time for that pink to return, then we have a, along with some pale gums and if the heart rate's increased and the, the breathing is quite rapid or shallow, then they're good signs, clinical signs for us to know that your animal might be going into a state of shock. And, and it's very urgent that we need to see them pretty quickly absolutely and and on that point when it comes to moving injured pets we there's some good tips that you can provide for us on how to move these injured pets as well isn't there yeah sure you know if you've got a bigger dog it's going to be quite heavy for you to lift so if they're able to walk then slowly move them or walk them before you can lift them up into the car if they can't walk then you can either sling them up by putting a towel underneath them or roll them onto a blanket and have a couple of you lift them Gently lift them into the back of the car there so you can get them to the vet. Cats, grab a towel. Grab a towel because the claws will just come out if they're stressed at all. So wrap them. You can always grab the scruff of the back of the neck and just wrap them around. Swaddle them up like a baby and then use a cat carrier to transport them to the vet. Yeah, we want to keep them safe and from preventing them from doing further injury to themselves. That's that's the, that's the purpose, as well as potentially injuring or biting us. So it's two-way. We want to keep keep our pets um, as as secure as possible whilst we transport them without causing further damage, but also without without us getting injured in the process too. Because they're going to be stressed, they're going to be frightened. But getting them to the vet will be key at that point, and you'll already have been on the phone and, and talked through this directly. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. So that's really helpful to understand what to do in the case of our four-legged friends in terms of instant first aid before we get to the vet and broken bones. But what should we do if we come across a, a, a wild bird that we think has broken a wing or in fact our own birds at home and we're worried that they might have broken a wing? Yeah, sure. I mean, this happens quite a lot in, in practice when people call in and say, you know, you found a bird or it's been hit by a car or even your bird at home has been out flying in the house and has had a collision with the curtain rail or something. So, you know, swaddle it and, and contain it with a towel uh, and, and pop it in a suitable size box, which is nice and, and comfortable, but also relatively dark, enclosed, uh, you know, and nice and quiet. So reduce all the stress and uh, let the bird sort of settle down in there. And then obviously phone the vet uh, and get it in as soon as possible for treatment. Solid advice. So we're heading into summer over here in England and um, heat stroke can be a real issue. Heat stroke does happen quicker than you realise it. Yeah, it's a very real, real problem. So what signs should we be looking for with heat stroke? Okay, so a distressed dog, you know, can, can be breathing very heavily, um, panting very fast. You want to make sure you assess your dogs very often. If you're out and it's hot or you've got them in the car, please don't leave them in the car at all. You know, if you're out on a, on a walk with your dogs, stop regularly. Stop in the shade. Give them a bowl of water. Let them have breaks. Um, let them cool down. If they're looking agitated or distressed or they're open mouth breathing, you know, they're standing there wide open mouth panting that gives you a signal that they probably are overheating. So if you're worried at all that your pet might be overheating, just check the mouth and check the gum color. And a good indication of potential urgency is if those gums look um, more red or purplish than, than a nice pale pink. But what if we actually have a dog that's, that's let's say we have a, our dog has just suddenly collapsed with heat stroke. What can we do there and then while we're trying to call the vet? So yeah, if you're, if you're out on a walk and it's a hot day and he's, your dog's collapsed, drag it into the shade as quick as you can or get it into the, a shaded area or somewhere that's a little bit more sheltered. Don't totally soak them or chuck them in a, a water trough because you don't want to shock them. No. no, we want to try and cool them down as soon as we can, but not dramatically and quickly to shock them. You can wet the coat with some tepidly cool water and spritz them all over to the coat, to the inner thighs, to, to any surfaces that you've got. If they're awake enough, give them a drink, but obviously not let them gulp. No, that's a good point. Small quantities, because what what we don't want is is to have our dogs going from a, a situation of hyperthermia, overheating, into a sudden situation where they're gone into hypothermia. And so whilst it might be a natural reaction to reach for some ice or some really cold water and completely douse them, that's the last thing to do. Yeah, that certainly is. Yeah. And obviously, if you can get them back to the car, put the fans on. Put your air conditioning on. Obviously, don't sit them right in front of the uh, <laughs> the vents with the aircon. But um, you know, bring that temperature down. You know, nice and easy, nice and gradually. And phone your vet immediately and tell them that you're obviously on your way. But the things you can do before you get there is to to help cool them down to try to assist in in any way. Lisa, thanks. That's really solid advice, and I know that that kind of goes contrary to what we we might expect that we should be doing. So I think it's an important one to to talk about, and particularly for our our little dogs that that have the, the squashed up faces, the brachycephalic breeds, such as French bulldogs and pugs. They don't do so well when it comes to the hot weather. So we have to be very careful and watch them. <laughs> keep keep a close eye when we're out walking and playing. Definitely, we shouldn't also forget our our other pets. So. 
a sign of heat stroke in cats can be open mouth breathing. It's very, it's never a particularly good sign if your cat starts to to breathe with their mouth open and we should definitely call the vet straight away. But equally rabbits and um, other small, small animals that we might have housed outside, it can, they can get very, very hot when it comes to um, the summer weather as well. So we need to be very conscious that we have appropriate shelter for them. They always need somewhere to be able to escape from the heat and where, the, where they can they can relax in the cool with plenty of, of fresh cold water to drink. Yeah, absolutely. So it can affect all of our pets. Yeah, I mean, think about where you position your hutches outside, if they're outside. Maybe maybe if, if we have a heat wave, bring them into your conservatory or the back of your you know your shed, just somewhere where you've got extra shade. Um, but obviously make sure you've got adequate ventilation. And like you say, you know, you want some cool air coming through there so they don't get uh, hot boxed, as you say. No, that's right, Lisa. And I think it's important to remember that um, that particularly we mentioned conservatories. Um, most conservatories do have shade, but we're making sure that um, that we don't put a, an animal into into a glass conservatory where the situation could be an awful lot worse. And even outside, um, cool shady trees are a really nice place to um, to place your hutches and runs. Absolutely, yeah. So Lisa, we all know that accidents happen. Uh, hot coffee gets knocked over or our, our cat runs under our feet just as we're carrying a, a saucepan of boiling water. What can we do in a situation of burns and scalds straight away at home? Straight away, obviously, you know, you want to you want to get them as cool as you can fast, but but, you know, in a in a, in a controlled manner. So, again, you, you know, with your cat, you might want to stick a towel around it and then obviously run some cooler water over the top just to get the heat out initially but don't then cover them up with any other ointments and creams you think that might be good for the skin because you know initially you want to get the heat out then the vet will then need to assess the damage on the skin that's right that's a really good point because it could be instinctive for us to reach for the savlon but that's the absolute last thing to do and remember always with burns or scores to take your pet to the vet because actually any burn any hot liquid even if you think it has caused no damage can take a few days to develop under the under the fur that's covering your pet skin so always take them to the vet you know, the vet may then if want to shave your, the hair off when you get there um, to assess the extent of the skin damage. Um, but initially, if you, can, if you can cool them down and get the heat out of them at home, um, it, will, it will go a long way to helping. So one of the most common ones that we haven't yet talked about, Lisa, is vomiting and diarrhea really common situation. So sometimes vomiting and diarrhea can be due very simply to, I know in my case, my dog's a complete scavenger. Every time I take her out, no matter that she gets very well fed at home, she'll see something on the street that could be the mankiest, moldiest old crust of bread. She's gone. She swallowed it and before I can even see what's happened. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, and that will always cause a stomach upset in her, but I know it's not a serious one. So how do we tell if when it's serious? when it comes to vomiting and diarrhea well sometimes you know with vomiting and diarrhea you know like you say there can be a minor dietary indiscretion if you've got a scavenger or something around so you know a one episode of diarrhea or you know a cat that's over groomed and has coughed up a furball and vomited once then you know that that's fine but if you've got repeated bouts of vomiting and diarrhea then you absolutely need to call the vet because your, your pet is then going to get dehydrated and suffer the consequences there you know it's just going to go downhill no I think that that's a good point because obviously we can as a pet owner we can start to think oh gosh you know this is this is really serious and it's it's almost impossible to tell as a pet owner whether it's serious or not because there are so many different causes for vomiting and diarrhea yeah 
But maybe as a guideline, we could say that if they're not keeping their food down for over 12 hours, if the vomiting or diarrhea persists for more than, than a full day, 24 hours, or if, you're, if your pet's suddenly becoming much quieter and more lethargic than usual, if there's maybe a painful tummy. Yeah, or even swollen, absolutely, yeah. Yes, yeah. Or if we see blood, blood can be quite common in, in stools. In any case, I think always if you've got concerns, we should just call up our vets and, and talk to them regardless. No, they'd rather have an advice call than, you know, a very urgent call. Absolutely. But sometimes vomiting and diarrhea can actually be caused by a poison or something toxic. And that can be very serious. And what do we do in that situation, Lisa? Okay, so if you know what your pet's ingested, then please keep the packet or, you know, so it could be a rat poison or or even chocolate. That's the most common one we used to get coming through the door. You know, it, it's chocolate is is a poisoning in dogs that happens happens very often. So you need to know what they've eaten and and how much really, if you can either gauge how much they've eaten or you know there was one packet, two packets, you know, or on how, how much it weighs. You know, if you've got the ingredients to hand, when you call the vet, then at least you can tell the vet exactly what it is, what the contents is that they've, they've eaten there. Uh, and then they can go about the right the right way to respond. And I think quite often we can we can instantly think, oh my goodness, I need to make my pet sick. She's just eaten rat bait. I need to get it out. But that's absolutely not what we want to do. We shouldn't be trying to make our pet sick unless you're on the phone to your vet or you're using telemedicine and they're directly on the phone with you and guiding you through what to do. Because some of the common poisons like rat bait and slug bait and antifreeze can be very, very serious. Um, and in fact, talking about it, talking about some poisons, quite often I get asked, Lisa, and I'm sure you get asked more often again, is is it possible for us to give paracetamol to our pets? Absolutely all the time. <laughs> but no, please don't do that. <laughs> you know, we, people ask us, oh, well, we just, we just gave them uh, half a paracetamol because it, it, it was limping a little bit and you think, oh, you know, the vet's advice would to be not to do that. No, I, I absolutely right. I, if we if we look at it very clearly, one 250 milligram paracetamol tablet in a cat can actually be fatal. So in all circumstances, avoid human medication, no matter how tempted you might be. If there's a swelling, you want to give some ibuprofen or you think they've got some pain, you want to give some paracetamol or aspirin. Under no circumstances, give your pets human medication unless you're on the phone to your vet and they're specifically directing you to do something very specific to your case and your, your situation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Lisa, I think we've gone through through a lot of the first aid common situations that can occur, but is it worthwhile for us to have a first aid kit for our pets at home? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, t- to be fair, you probably don't need to have two separate first aid kits. In your general first aid kit in your house, you've probably got enough to, to cover most eventualities. And I think that the key point there is always have two thermometers. You don't want to use the same thermometer for your pet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Well, Lisa, thanks so much for for joining me on Vet Voice, the pet pod. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have you joining me today all the way from Western Australia. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all for this episode. But please don't forget that nobody knows your pet like you do. So if you have any concerns or worries about their health at all, please make sure that you contact your own local veterinary practice. Now, next time, we're going to be talking all about animal behavior. So to make sure that you receive the next episode, please do like and subscribe. And thank you so much for listening. Hold up. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.